so much for joining me today, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you. So if you can give our listeners a little bit of an idea about you and your business and how you started really working online, like how did you start your current business that you are uh, doing at the moment? Yeah, sure. So I graduated from university last year, obviously through the pandemic. I did my last six weeks of university online. Um, So I think from there, we kind of have, all of us had to, kind of think of a bit of outside the box like right how are we going to get into the dance industry now the dance industry is kind of crashing and I think it was all that moment of oh no we, we, need, we need to graduate we need to move forward and start earning a living but how are we going to do that so that was where I wanted to become a dance teacher anyway and I thought right now let's just take it all online let's figure out this world of zoom and get cracking with some lessons online Amazing. So did you, before the pandemic, did you have, in, you have intentions of becoming a dance teacher, but you just knew that you weren't going to be able to kind of do it in the way maybe that you normally would have? Yeah, absolutely. So I got my teaching qualification before I went to university. So when I was in my last year of college, um, decided to go through university. Um, so I had all the skills, kind of everything I wanted and needed. Um, knew I wanted to be a dance teacher, had an idea in mind of what I wanted to teach. So I definitely wanted to teach ballet and contemporary dance. Um, and then, yeah, had to kind of turn, turn a corner and turn a tire a different way. And it's such, to me, such an interesting way to start a dance studio or a business because I think before last year, if someone had gone directly online, it would have been like, oh gosh, like that's, that's, you know, really bold and that's different where it was kind of like, well, of course, what are your other options? Like you don't have another choice. So at the moment, how your studio was working, is it still all online? Yeah, at the moment, all of my teaching is online. So I'm a freelancer, so I teach for other dance schools, but at the moment, um, all of my weekly classes and workshops are all online all online do you have intentions of incorporating in-person classes and workshops in the future or is you you really think that the online model is working for you and you'd like to continue that way I think so I think it's interesting because before I was like I'm just gonna go straight into in-person classes because online world wasn't really known in the dance industry it was kind of like everything is always face to face you're in a room full of you've got all your lines and your places in the class and everything and I think that was the way forward that I was going to go kind of take the normal the same as everybody else and where I took mine online I think now it's almost the other way around for me I think the online business model works better for me in the position that I'm at in my career right now so yeah I think online I think in the future maybe a couple years down the line I think I could see it being in person but at the moment it's almost financially more stable being online rather than in person yeah well that's great and it's great that you have a clear you know idea of where your business structure is going so with that in mind you are teaching freelancing you're doing your own classes and it's all online at the moment tell me a little bit about what a regular day looks like for you at the moment a regular day at the moment is usually getting up about nine o'clock 
<laughs> walking the dog, getting on, 30 minutes of daily exercise, um, coming home and answering emails, admin, um, taking the new bookings. Um, it's kind of, I like to get all my admin done in the morning because I find it as a, as a dancer, not sitting in front of a laptop. That's not my favorite thing to do. So I get all of that done in the morning, I have a little lunch break, and then normally in the afternoon it's choreography, just um, creating phrases and coming up with new teaching strategies of what's going to work for the kind of next week. And then um, normally just workshops and teaching in the evening. Amazing. So you told us a little bit about how you started your on- online business in general. Like, you know what I mean? You finished university, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You, you were kind of like, I'm not, this is the only option for me right now. Or this is what is the best option for me. But can you give me a little bit more about, you know, once you decided it was the best avenue for you, how did you go about finding like the right technology? And how did you go about setting up your social media and, you know, all of those type of things. How did you go about starting that portion of the online business? Yeah, absolutely. So I use Zoom. I tried a couple of other programs, but Zoom was the one I found was the easiest and it was the quickest way to get everybody online kind of the way I wanted it set up. They have the options they have. You can have um, Spotlight and Speaker View and all of that. And I found it was the most efficient way to still get the quality of teaching that I was planning to do or what I was aiming for. So I use Zoom for all my classes. It's really easy to set up, schedule links, and just kind of ship ship them out to the clients that need what link. So it's nice that you can have your timetable on there as a structure for you. Um, and in terms of my social media, I set it up and I knew that going on line my branding would have to be the biggest thing to kind of sell me whereas I didn't have I couldn't rely on face-to-face interaction it had to be all through social media and where I was putting my post so I think my branding had a big um was a big selling point for me amazing I I would tend to agree with you as well but I guess coming from my perspective it's hard to know what I would have done if I didn't start the way I did, you know what I mean? Like you will only know your way. And I was like, I only knew my face-to-face at, at first and built on word of mouth. And then it went from there. So it's really interesting to also hear kind of, to me, it sounds like you've already skipped a few steps and you really are aware of like what's needed to create a foundation, which is really awesome. But um, branding a hundred percent, when you, like you said, online, it's, you don't you can't really talk people around at the like at the moment so it's interesting to see what you're seeing is really really important now obviously again this is COVID times and you know where you are you might be in lockdown and so there's not actually any option for you to be doing in-person classes even if you wanted to which I'm not saying you do but is there anything else that you've noticed that you've sort of had obstacles against? Like uh, are students struggling with being able to concentrate online or are parents struggling with trying to fit another thing on the schedule? Or have you kind of noticed it's it would what it would be normally just kind of figuring out timetabling and stuff? Like what, what are the issues that you're noticing in barriers in people enrolling at the moment? 
I think a biggest barrier for me is concentration within the kind of online setting where people are doing Zoom and online all day. Kind of the last thing they want to do is then have dinner and then go back online, even if it's something that they enjoy, like a dance class. Sometimes it's just that motivation of, I'm at home, I'm kind of in my living room, in my bedroom, nice, comfy, and it's that motivation to kind of get up and moving again on a screen, I think is quite tricky, especially with, as well, kind of financial situations sometimes. Dance is a luxury, it pretty much always has been. Mm. You you know, you pay for your classes, some classes are two, two pounds, or some classes can go up to 20 pounds, so... It is a luxury that not everybody can afford. So I think, especially at the moment, giving the giving the experience that people want, but that they can afford, is is a, finding the balance of that is really tricky. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that people, even if they only have an in person studio, could definitely relate to that. Like you said, that's really that's what you think. What you said is really really important. That trying to find the balance between what people want and expect for what you're charging them is is really tricky because it would be easy to say oh well I can just charge a premium price and then you know I can do all the customer service and stuff that they expect but people these days as well they expect really high quality customer service even if they aren't paying top dollar which is is hard sometimes to juggle their expectations but it sounds like um some of the challenges that you're having is some of the challenges that pretty much anyone would be having when they're starting a business anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's finding that you don't want to go in at the bottom, but you don't want to hit the top either. So it's finding that doing the research of, okay, what's in my area? Where can I put myself that shows my values from the get-go and not having to change them halfway through? So I think sometimes that sends an unclear message as well. Yeah, absolutely. But um yeah, I it's it's interesting hearing your perspective and I think that's what most people go with. They have a you know, they research and they go, okay, well I don't want to be the cheapest, but I don't want to be the most expensive. Um but then as well it's like, well if you're just like everyone else, then it's like you're kind of blending in, but like is it you don't really want to blend in it as well. So it's hard to kind of find what the right thing is for you. But I think um, you sound like you've got a really good grasp on that. And that's really interesting. Now, more moving on to your business concept, having your, your virtual dance studio, I guess, and starting your business as a teacher and now essentially a studio owner. If a studio owner is listening to this who, you know, as it has either moved past the restrictions for the pandemic and is back in person or has just potentially just gone on hiatus while they've been in lockdown. Do you have any sort of advice or tips on how having an online service can benefit dance teachers or dance studio owners? Yeah, absolutely. I think discovering it now it was almost like a little hidden gem that none of us knew we had, at least not for me. I didn't realise that this could even be a success. And doing it now is just absolutely incredible. And it's definitely something to keep up. I think if you're in in-person classes, just knowing that you have that security of an online class makes a lot of difference to enrolments, I think. 
because it's not sometimes people might not want to you know take the drive to your studio or they might want to just they have like a quick half an hour and they just want to get a bit of fitness in or just take a class have a bit of fun having it as a, uh, something that's online makes it just so accessible you could reach someone that's two hours away that can't drive here but they'll log on every week to your class because that they want you essentially so I yeah think it doesn't sometimes doesn't have to come down to your location online anybody can reach anywhere yeah amazing I I 100% agree and do you just from your experience being online so far do you think that it's possible and feasible for studio owners or business owners to have a like profitable and successful in-person program as well as an online program or do you think it would be hard to juggle both but possible maybe yeah I think it's definitely possible I think it may take a few trial and errors to kind of find that balance but I think it's definitely something that is almost an investment if you have all your in-person classes and decide okay, on this day, maybe it's a Friday evening, one of your teachers just does an online class, you know, that everybody will be logging on and you can almost make it like an exclusive, like that's quite a, that's been one of my selling points as well at the moment, is having an almost an exclusive online class. Anybody can log on, you pay your, I don't know, five to seven pounds or your um, dollars or wherever you are, um, and it's that um, experience you get online and it could be something completely different that your in-person classes don't have. So you know that after all your week, you've still got that little extra that can make a huge income right at the last week. Yeah, amazing. I would say that's a great way to look at it. And again, now that parents and people have been exposed to Zoom classes and the concept of them, I don't think it's not, it would it's not foreign anymore so whereas five years ago everyone had been like well that won't work where now we know it can work it's just if we you know it works for some individuals I guess versus a whole group um but with what you were saying uh in relation to you know the earlier we talked about sometimes you um and I think everyone does struggle with concentration on zoom and online and people feeling warm and cozy at home that was some of those kind of the obstacles that you've noticed have you noticed in particular that, that any benefits for dancers who are on zoom and doing your lessons in a virtual capacity maybe in comparison to what they would have um at the studio Yeah, I think so. I think it's sometimes when they're online, obviously there's a wide variety. Every child will learn differently, whether it's like um, they like to be at the back of the class or they like to be right up at the front or they tend to watch more than listen or anything like that. But I think almost the new students, like especially trials and preschool classes, doing it online is almost like a, it's good for them to have that kind of home comfort and they can see that everybody else is at home doing it at home with them and they can kind of have their home surroundings and things that they like with them. So I think the benefit, it's hard to get their concentration, but I think once you find that teaching method that works for online, because not every teaching method is going to work online and, and in person, you've kind of got to tweak it a bit. But I think once you find the right teaching method, 
the benefits of it for the, especially the younger ones you definitely see them I think almost grow more because they're comfy it's familiar to them Amazing. That's really awesome. Now, I only have a couple more questions for you um, in relation to what we were talking about before, like starting a business during COVID times and growing during COVID times, like, you know, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, when dance, dance studios or dance teachers were starting out, they might've done flyers or newspapers or like letter drops and things like that to try and get the word out there you touched on having really strong branding to help you advertise your classes, but are there other ways that you are targeting or planning for growth during COVID times, but also just in general with an online business? Yeah, I think it's at the moment I've got a quite a good, I'm not really one for Facebook ads. I know that everybody loves them. And as much as they're handy, sometimes it can almost, as a dance studio owner, make you look too corporate, I feel. Like you want your dance studio to feel like a family environment, a community environment. And I think sometimes if you use Facebook ads and um, boost posts and things like that, it can make you look a bit um, like all, all of it is just about the class and the money and that's that. So I think I found a really good rhythm of, posting in local groups in my area so particularly for my area there's a lot of what's going on in Fairham or what's going on in Southampton and it's finding the right getting the right image and wording and putting it into those groups and really connecting with those families that will be scrolling through kind of daily and especially with Facebook groups if you post in them everybody will always get a notification so and so has posted in this group rather than you just endlessly scrolling because sometimes posts just get missed with the algorithms. Absolutely. Would you have any tips for people? I guess then I, I think posting in Facebook community groups is a great way to get your name and your business out there. I think, um, and this could be just a struggle that I have personally, but it could be something that other studio owners are experiencing as well. I've found that there is so many post in the group sometime that my post gets lost is there any tips that you have for studio owners or teachers who are looking to expand and use Facebook groups um, any wording or images that you think work best to kind of not sound too salesy I guess and get people interested in reading the post yeah I think it's just finding that connection with what's current in your area if there's a new I don't know say new shop at like a coffee shop opening or something it's finding that connection within your post like oh if you're ever out doing this why not come along here and kind of build that connection almost collaborate with other people in your area it's like almost an affiliate so give them like um that new shop a couple of discount codes for your dance school and then vice versa and building that connection there and it will link your business not necessarily link it so that it's kind of the same or something like that it's kind of just finding those elements of okay what's trending there how can I show my business as a good thing for that well myself within that with what people are talking about amazing I think that yeah sorry you go you'll find those common themes I think 
in certain groups sometimes with um, what families and parents are talking about or what they want to know. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I guess my question, and you did clarify, is, is just how in, and I know not all community groups would be like this, but for instance, like I'm part of a community group that I think has like 100,000 people in it. So it's like, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of like lost dogs and events coming up. And sometimes I feel like, like, Oh gosh, like, you know, I, I'm just getting lost in the crowd or no one's reading my post because they know what I'm trying to do. But maybe that's a bit more of like a, a self critique than actually what, when people are reading, they're like, Oh, what a cute photo. But like you said, I think that that collaboration with other local businesses is really interesting. And is that something that you have gone and set up, like officially, like with official codes and have you reached out to local businesses to do that collaboration or is that something that you kind of just do casually as it pops up? Yeah, I think currently I'm doing it casually as it pops up. I think it is, it's a trial and error, I think, but so far it's actually worked with a couple of places and I think it's forming connections and getting your name out there even if it doesn't generate a sale it's just your name out there your face out there word of mouth and that's another way to do it but I think going sim the simpler you go I think is more effective people aren't going to want to see lots of text they'll just scroll through it they're not going to want to see lots of color and lots of image I think it's it's too much the same with anybody it's just too much to kind of you go on social media as relaxing scroll take your time, take your break. <laughs> so I think the simpler you go is the more effective way to do it. Yeah, awesome. There's some really practical tips I think that people could try out and see if it works for them. Now, we've talked a little bit uh, about, you know, how you've set up online with Zoom and everything, but what, and this is one of my favorite questions, what are your three favorite tools or apps at the moment that you're using and needing and loving in your business? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think at the moment, my t one of my favorites is actually Pinterest. I think it's a really handy tool to kind of collect all your thoughts um, for your business on it. You can just kind of scroll and pin. And I think sometimes it's always underutilized. Some people just see it as endless stock of photos, but I think if you really tailor it, it it's all your business can be all on it. Like if you ever lost a content idea, you know that you've got that bulk. And also where you can use the app on your laptop as well. You can pin um, like a photo from a website and then it will go straight in there with a the link straight there. So that's been one of my favorites. It saves me so much time. <laughs> um, yeah, Pinterest is great. And I love like you said, you're using it as kind of like a bookmarking tool as well, which is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another favorite app. If you, if Pinterest is just, if it's just your favorite, that's totally fine. You don't have to have three. I just find that three people are usually like, oh, can I have a fourth? But if you're loving Pinterest, that's awesome. I think that's my favorite. Either that or um, a music and video editing app is um, really handy as well. Viva Video, I think it's called. Okay. Very handy. Awesome. Oh, and is it, I is that what you use it on your phone or your laptop? I use it on my phone so you can import videos and kind of layer sound and everything. It's quite a good tool to use for um, like mini trailers of a new class or something. 
it's got so many features to it um, and it's really handy. Uh, View for video and UCut, I think, are my favourite two for those ones. Awesome. Now, at the start, before we started recording, you and I spoke about briefly how you've created activity books for teachers and studio owners to use. So could you talk a little bit more about those and where people could have, you know, find a copy? Yeah, absolutely. So again, this is something that came completely out of the pandemic. Um, I noticed there was not a lot on the market for revision tools specifically for dance genres or grades. So I'm um, ISTD trained and RAD trained. Um, And I was trying to find revision tools for my students to send out or something to do um, to keep them kind of engaged in dance. Because at that point, at the very start of the pandemic, everybody was like, no to online, I'm not doing anything. And I was like, well, how how do I get these kids engaged? And how do I get them buzzed about wanting to do more online classes? And I thought, there's nothing out there like it. I'm just going to, I've got some time. I'll just sit and create them. And I've created them with all different word searches, the specific grade terminology. So if they're a grade one, it's got everything in that syllabus for them. Um, colouring pages, all everything to keep them motivated. Um, and they just took off, they were a complete hit. And it kind of just made me want to try more. I've got different dance, I've got normal dance ones that kind of cover a little bit of everything. Um, I've got some more um, ones in the works as well, so a lot of ideas for them. Um, and they also will be available online through probably Etsy. I've not got that far yet. But yeah, that's amazing. And that sounds like you said you you saw a problem for you and created a solution. And then it's found it turns out that other people were also having that problem and were able to benefit from what you've created. So people were interested in looking at those activity books. Where where can we find it at the moment? Through your social media? Yeah, absolutely. So if you just go onto my social media, literally just send me a message or an email, any form of contact me. Um, I can just um, send information out through there, but they will be available online soon and for custom orders as well. Awesome. And what, how would they find you on like Instagram or Facebook? What, what's your handle? Um, so on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Lauren Elizabeth Dance. Lauren Elizabeth Dance. Awesome. Now I We'll put that information in the show notes as well. And before the show goes live, if your link comes out, I'll make sure to pop that in. But I'm sure if people head over to your social media and follow you anyway, I'm sure you're sharing lots of different things um, about your classes. But I think that if, you know, even if as a studio owner, they might not need to join your class, it's really still valuable to see how other people are doing and running their businesses. And like you said, you're also creating resources for dance teachers and studio owners sporadically. And you've already got a bit of a, like a library going on. So that would be awesome. And I encourage people to check out uh, Lauren's uh, dance uh, Instagram, as well as her business uh, online. So thank you so much for joining me today, Lauren. It was really interesting to hear how you started your business during COVID times, how you've been pivoting and how you've been growing. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for listening to the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemble Dance Studio Coaching. Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.